I do not permit women to teach nor usurp authority. That's Kira. She grew up on a Christmas tree farm, and her favorite is the Douglas fir. And that's Alexandria. And when I asked her to name something that she hated, she said, mm, wearing socks with shoes. And I was like, don't your feet smell? And she's like, no. So now we hate her. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't really happen to me. And I just, it's too many like layers on my feet. I just don't like it. I don't know. But like big wool socks when you're just walking around at home. Love those. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Overreaction, where we share our knowledge and react to different topics every week. Today, we're going to talk about Eleanor Roosevelt. Sorry, I'm still not over the big wool socks thing. There, you just have a lot of differing opinions on socks, and I can't nail it down. Yeah, it's kind of like my feelings about fruit. It's very complicated. I, I can't deal with this right now. I understand it. I live my <laughs> life. I'm mostly very happy, so we're good. <laughs> All right. So, yes, today we're going to be talking about Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, We've previously had an episode on Abigail Adams, but I just had more first ladies to talk about and couldn't talk about them quickly. (laughs) (laughs) We talked too much, so we couldn't squeeze them both in one episode. So here's first ladies part two. Part two. All right. So Eleanor Roosevelt was born on October 11th of 1884 and lived until November 7th, 1962. Um. We have another pop quiz. (laughs) So. This is mean. Which of the Roosevelt presidents was Eleanor Roosevelt married to? I don't know. And this is embarrassing. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. See, I was going to be wrong. The other one was Teddy. He was before her time. Well, we'll get to their connection. Okay. True or false. Eleanor was the longest serving first lady. True. True. You're correct. She was first lady from 1933 to 1945. That's like FDR was elected to four terms. He died during his fourth. Um, So it's like three and a little bit, but four terms she would have been. Um, A fun fact that I have about her is Eleanor is actually her middle name. Anna is her first. Her birth name was Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. Her married name was Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. We'll get to that. <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. Okay. Um. So, here's what you got to know. Eleanor Roosevelt was a niece to Theodore Roosevelt, so it makes it a little bit of a complicated family tree. Um, I can't get too deeply into that, but Franklin, her husband, was like her fifth cousin once removed. I think that it was her dad's fifth cousin, which makes him like fifth cousin first yeah. removed. So, like, that's a lot of things away, but they had the same last name. Still cousins. I I don't know what cousin you have to be for it to be appropriate. Usually past third cousins is what's, like, legal in places. Okay, so we're two and I'm removed past that. Okay. So that's okay. I think it's okay. But she was born to a pretty wealthy family in New York. Obviously, she's a Roosevelt. Um, Her family was a family of socialites, um, but both of her parents had died by the time that she was 15. And from what I could gather, they weren't the nice. (laughs) In other words, um, her mother basically told her that, like, she wasn't pretty, so she'd better have manners. Like... Okay. Her mom didn't Thanks, think mom. that she was particularly pretty, which is kind of sad. 
Um, But when both her parents died by the time that she was 15, she went and was raised by her maternal grandmother's household. And her grandmother sent her to school at Allenswood Academy, which is in England. Um, And she got a really good education there and like formed a pretty special bond with the headmistress, whose name was Marie Suvestre, S-O-U-V-E-S-T-R-E, for the sake of if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, So at the school, like, the women who went there were really encouraged to be independent thinkers. And this headmistress like really took a liking to Eleanor because Eleanor was really impressive and how she learned to speak French, French and had a lot of confidence, was a really good thinker. Um, so the two of them actually had correspondence until um, Marie, I'm using her first name because I can't pronounce her last name, <laughs> but until she died. So we love the women supporting women. Amazing. It's excellent. We loved it. So she got a really good education. Um, and then like after she was finished with that, she started having like a secret courtship with FDR. Um, they married in 1905, but it wasn't all sunshine and roses because FDR's mom was a, maybe a little too in the picture. <laughs> okay. So she actually didn't want them to get married or engaged. Um, I don't know whether that was like a control thing or she didn't like Eleanor or Eleanor wasn't pretty enough, which like, if you look at pictures of Eleanor at this point in time, she's kind of pretty, like she's pretty. Mm-hmm. I don't know what everybody's issue was. <laughs> she was very tall. I don't know if that was like a thing, but very mm-hmm. tall. Um, But so they kept their engagement secret for a while and then. When they did wind up getting married in 1905, um, they moved into a house that was actually connected to FDR's mother. Oh, how nice for Eleanor. (laughs) So basically, FDR's mom, her name was Sarah, was like, had a lot of control over the household, basically like controlled raising their six children. And Sarah once said, quote, your mother only bore you. I am more your mother than your mother is. So like. Ouch. <laughs> um, yeah. And she's an adult? Yeah. Oh, she's talking to her. Oh, she was Eleanor's talking to Eleanor's now married. Kids. She's talking to Eleanor's kids. Rude! I know. I know. So she's feeling like she's this independent thinker, but is also like underneath the thumb of her mother-in-law and like it's awkward and uncomfortable and she doesn't feel like she has her own like space. Um, Do they move? Uh, we get there, Yikes. but like, it's a, it's a while. Don't. Okay. Look, it's a requirement for me that any man I date stand up to his family on behalf of me, if that's necessary, mm-hmm. or if I have to stand up for myself, you gotta back me up. I will not mm-hmm. overbearing in-laws hard. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eleanor says some things like. She didn't feel, like, naturally, like, inclined to be a mother. Like, that wasn't her, what she considered, like, her calling or anything. Like Relatable. Yeah. But I think that was also kind of pushed by the fact that, like, her mother-in-law wouldn't let her do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then she kind of just, like, second-guessed everything, and it was really, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. I would hate that. Um, so in the same vein of not all sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. Um living in a house connected to their mother-in-laws and then she's dealing with all that and meanwhile Franklin is cheating on her with her social secretary whose name was Lucy Mercer 
So, yeah. Eleanor is... What is a social secretary? I don't really know. Okay. Sorry. Is that like an assistant? Because I would like one. I think so. Like, she was working for Eleanor, not for Franklin. So, like, rude. Those are her people. <laughs> that is rude. Pick somebody else. Um. So, Franklin has had... We'll get to, like, he... He had more than one affair, mm-hmm. but it seems like Eleanor and Franklin kind of came to an understanding where they were like, look, I want you to be happy. You want me to be happy. Mm-hmm. It's politically beneficial for us to stay married, but like, you have fun. But I I don't know. It seemed very complicated as I was, as I was reading about it, but like, definitely he had more affairs, but it was kind of just like, well... Sometimes that's how it goes. Um, they just kind of didn't really, like, do it in front of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that after the first affair with Lucy, she had offered Franklin a divorce. But Sarah, her mother-in-law, Franklin's mom, didn't approve um, and basically said, like, if you get a divorce, I'm going to disown you and you don't get any inheritance. So um, basically it was kind of at this point in time where it was like, all right, we're going to be political partners. <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever for works. You. Yeah. So in 1921, Franklin became paralyzed from polio and he couldn't use his legs properly anymore. But Eleanor encouraged him to stay in politics and she took on a larger role and made lots of public appearances on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was doing a lot of campaigning, a lot of speaking for him in a way that like helped word about his campaigns get out, but he didn't have to do such. A public role mm-hmm. um because like the polio and paralyzation was something that they kept pretty well hidden um so she was involved in politics even before um franklin became president she did some campaigning for a democratic candidate running for re-election as governor of new york um and that campaign was against her first cousin so she was campaigning on behalf of the guy who was campaigning against her first cousin. I know. Family drama. Controversial. She kind of got disowned by some family members because of that. But she was like, look, they aren't the best candidate. I don't know. I don't know. Um, She was also friends with Amelia Earhart. They had correspondence for a very long time. I like using correspondence. (laughs) Yep. I've noticed. (laughs) It it feels right. I don't know. They didn't text. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Corresponded. Mm -hmm. Other notable relationships that Eleanor had. um, There's a whole story. I don't want to say story, but there was a woman who was a reporter. She was responsible for covering Eleanor. Um, Her name was Lorena Hickok. um, And they sent each other like daily 10 to 15 page letters there are things in those letters that mention like kissing each other, um, kind romantic things that can either be like they're very close friends, like in a very like affectionate way, mm-hmm. or that they had some sort of like romantic relationship. Historians go back and forth on it. They don't really People take stances, but it, people have taken stances either way, mm-hmm. that they were either just very close friends or that they were having an affair. Um, I want it to have been an affair. 
I want whatever she wanted. <laughs> That's a better. <laughs> um, so it's not known the extent of their relationship. We do know that they sent each other daily letters. We do know that um, it mentioned things like kissing within those. We also know that on FDR's inauguration, Eleanor is wearing a sapphire ring that was given to her by Lorena. Um, I guess J. Adver- J. Edgar Hoover um, was thinking about like blackmailing them about their relationship. Um, and then that was going to threaten Lorena's job as a journalist. So she stopped being a journalist. And then Eleanor got Hickok a job as an investigator for one of the New Deal programs so that they could kind of be like closer. Um, and so that blackmailing didn't go that far, I guess. Um, it is known that Hickok was a lesbian. That's very clear. Um, but we don't know what their relationship was. Um, so in her role as a first lady, she was kind of controversial just because she was stepping outside of the box of what had up to that point, like been normal behaviors for first ladies. Um, she was the first first lady to hold press conferences and you're going to like this. Okay. (laughs) When she held her press conferences, she banned male reporters from attending so that like newspapers and, um, Um, newspapers and then any media companies were forced to keep females on staff in order to cover her press conferences. Amazing. I know. (laughs) I guess there was like only one time that she like didn't keep this rule that it had to be female reporters. And I don't remember what that was, but I was just like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Incredible. Um, She had a daily newspaper column that she wrote. She wrote a column for a magazine that went out monthly. She was doing a lot of speeches on radio and just like on a speech circuit. Um, Would even sometimes like publicly disagree with FDR's policies. Um, So she had vowed, yeah, she had like vowed when FDR took office that she was going to match his salary through like speaking and writing and engagements and then used all like she did it mm-hmm. and then donated most of that to charity it's like she was on the move she's great yeah um one of her i guess like signature things that she did was this project called Arthurdale, which was this like community that they planned out um where they were relocating minors who had lost their homes like, resettled them in a community where they were supposed to, like, make money through farming, handicrafts, and manufacturing. Um, So it was basically, like, this bubble that they were trying to see, like, if this was a feasible option of something to do to, like, solve um, homelessness crisis by, like, putting them together in this community and then Mm -hmm. giving them, like, a support system of things that they could do to, like, maintain some level of, like, economic independence. Um. There were a whole bunch of issues with it in the beginning. Like nobody wanted to improve it and approve it unless it was segregated. This really frustrated her, so she spoke out a little bit more about like racial de- discrimination after that. It, nothing like she was by no means like a civil rights advocate, like mm-hmm. through and through. But after this, that was something that she found frustrating about it. Um, but this whole Arthur Dale project was often called like socialist and communist by the people who didn't want to approve it. Um, And as it went on, like a lot of the residents weren't like doing perfectly. Like it was by no means like this 
immediate utopia or anything like that. Um, but compared to where the people who were located there had been, they were doing much better and like return many returned to some level of economic self-sufficiency. So like looking back, most of the world is like, no, that was a failure, but she considered it a success. I guess it was like pretty expensive. Mm. And so people were like, not worth it for how expensive it was, but saving people's lives. Terrible. I know. <laughs> but she was like, I would spend that amount of money again. Um, mm-hmm. For that level of and we spent success, how much? I don't, don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so other things that she was a big advocate for, particularly that came out while she was first lady or after, um, were women, women's rights in the workplace, um, some level of civil rights, and then um, became more vocal about programs for refugees from World War II. So she worked with the Women's Trade Union League in support of a 48-hour work week, which, like, I read that and I was like, 48 hours? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh (laughs) I walk in on Monday and by 10 a.m. I'm like, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Try again next week. We make it till 1130 on Mondays usually. (laughs) But I read that, like, multiple times. I was just like, geez. That's so many days. How much were they working before? That's, I don't know. Bad. Bad. I hate it. So she was in support of a 48-hour work week, in support of a minimum wage, and getting rid of child labor. Um, in 1927, she joined two of her friends, and they bought the Todd Hunter School for Girls, which was a finishing school, which, like, offered preparatory college classes, um... She also actually taught there. She taught upper-level courses on American literature. She taught things on history. I'm kind of reaching back to her years in her school in London. Like, independent thinking um, was something that she really emphasized. She taught about current events. She taught about how to be, like, engaged in social movements. Um, So while Franklin was serving as governor of New York, she continued to teach three days a week. Um, but actually, when she became first lady, she was forced to leave teaching, and she was sad about it. Um, she, so the New Deal was Franklin Roosevelt's like big mm-hmm. plan for getting out of the Great Depression and kind of rebuilding after that. Um, and Eleanor opposed some things like publicly that Franklin didn't necessarily. Opposed some of Franklin's ideas pretty Mm -hmm. publicly. She argued that the New Deal programs, that some of them were discriminating against African-Americans by thinking that, like, funding wasn't equally distributed. Mm -hmm. Um, She lobbied to make lynching a federal crime, but Franklin didn't support that. And she didn't oppose this publicly, but it is known that privately she opposed the executive order that required Japanese-Americans to enter internment camp. So she was on the more right side of history of some things. Not all of that was made public. Not all of that got anywhere. But she wasn't afraid to, like, make her voice heard that she mm-hmm. disagreed with those things, even when FDR was president. Yeah. Um. So... 
she also chaired the Presidential Commission on the Status of Women, um, I believe underneath Harry Truman, so next president. Okay. Um, so all of that's happened. Now FDR, dead. Sort of moving on to her life after that. Um, bad news, but like it talked about how their relationship, it was kind of like understood that they were political partners more so than like a completely monogamous, mm-hmm. <laughs> committed to each other relationship. But when FDR died, she found out through her daughter that the first mistress was with him when he died. And she didn't know that they were still seeing each other. Mm. So that was sad. Um, so after Franklin's death, Eleanor went on like really working on human rights and things, like became super, super involved in that. Um, she was a United States delegate to the United Nations General Assembly from 1945 to 1952. She was appointed by Harry Truman. Um, and she was also a huge advocate in encouraging the joining of the United Nations and then also served as a delegate at the United Nations. So while she was there, she oversaw the drafting of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, well, shoot. I know. She declared it the International Magnet Carta of all men everywhere. Men is humankind. <laughs> I know. Um, And she was the first United States representative to the United Nations Commission on Human Rights. Like, that's huge work. Mm -hmm. And like the International Universal Declaration of Human Rights, like, huge. And so that's really cool that she was doing that. Um, So because of all of that work that she was doing, Harry Truman um, declared her the first lady of the world. Wow. I know. Kind of seems like she should have been president. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She campaigned for it. Like, she was, like, super politically active. Yeah. And, like, especially because, like, FDR was partially paralyzed. Like, there were limited things that he could do as far as, like, mobility in mm-hmm. campaigning. And, like, a lot of, like, photographs and speeches and things that you will see with him like it's very carefully hidden that he's paralyzed Mm -hmm. and so like she was doing a lot of that work to kind of allow for his campaign to go the extra mile and like make up for those limitations that they had so like she was she was moving yeah also like writing a daily newsletter (laughs) and doing all the things um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. She was kicking some butt. Yeah, she really was. Changing the world. Changing the world. Honestly, though, like, all of the work at the United Nations and that, like, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, like, that's some world-changing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, this is just an, the quick summary of it, but there's, like, a... It's a it's a very long series. It's a docu-series with Ken Burns on the Roosevelts, and there's a lot of information, interesting information about Eleanor through that, um, which is really good. My mom always turns that on when she's like, I just needed something to watch. And I'm like, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is like six two-hour episodes. Like, what do you mean? 
Though Ken Burton's voice is very, <laughs> it'll, it's soothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom is wild. I know. Good way though. <laughs> yeah, that was a compliment. I know. Yeah. So Eleanor died at the age of seventy-eight in a wild way. <laughs> she was hit by a car. Okay. And then she got a plastic anemia. Then for that, she was given steroids. Then those steroids set off tuberculosis in her bone marrow that hadn't been an issue before. Then cardiac failure because of that. Wow. Yeah. That really snowballed. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I mean, for a life like that, like you can't just, she couldn't just end lame. <laughs> True, true. Can't just get hit by a car and die that way. It's got to be it's, like six, yeah, six yeah. terrible diseases later, all caused by the car accident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like she fought tuberculosis <laughs> in her bone marrow. That's that's what I read. Yikes! Yeah. So that's the quick synopsis of the life of Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to us chat about Eleanor Roosevelt. As always, let us know if you have any topic suggestions we can research and get opinionated on. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Overreaction Podcast. That's O-V-A-R-Y Action Podcast. You can comment or DM us there for topic suggestions. You can also like our Facebook at Overreaction Podcast. And if you like what you heard, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to podcasts right now to get notified whenever we post. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends so we can empower more women, more women to be opinionated on these topics. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.